Hello, this is Alex from Suck My Fanfic. My co-host's name is Ryan. We are going to try to get down to business as quickly as we possibly can for absolutely no reason. If you like us, rate us on whatever podcast app you listen to. Share us with your friends. Do whatever else you want. Review us. I don't really care. Follow us on Twitter. There's that. We also have a YouTube. Uh, I know I'm forgetting things, but it's because I didn't prepare for this like I never do. And so I'm just kind of talking out of my butt, which is no different than any other podcast episode that we've ever recorded. So hello. Thank you for joining us. And our opening topic for this week is that we promised last week that we would give our our lists of best graphic novels and trades. And I'm going to slow down now because I'm excited to get to this. I have uh, last week. I said last week. I should have said last episode because it's been two or three weeks. So that kind of sucked on my part. But we have decided we would give for our 49th episode a definitive current list of our top five trades slash graphic novels of all time. I can just say if you have listened to even one episode of the podcast, you would know that my list is going to be leaning on one side of the comic book spectrum. And quite frankly, the comic book aisle, it's my world and you're just living in it. So you're just going to get what I give you. I, I also feel like our episodes are so long that people listen to us on double speed. So when they start up this episode, it's just going to be so they're used to like the languid kind of self-indulgent bits that we do. But they're, you're you're just going to speed. You are speed. You need to get faster. I need to go faster. Faster. Think about the people that are like, oh, these guys just like to shoot, you know, shoot shit for for 30 minutes and they skip. And they're like, oh, what? We're halfway through mm. the thick already? Gotcha, buddy. Hope you're high. I know you weren't ready for it, but we got you. Next episode, we're gonna the first words out of, out of Alex's mouth you're picking next time are gonna be like the the fic. You're just gonna start talking. Start reading. Good. I already know what the, the fic is gonna be. Not the fic, but the fandom. I'm very excited for episode fifty. Oh, fantastic. I got it. It's not Fantastic Four, but good try. I'm so excited. So yes, here we are. We're gonna talk about our, our top five. Suck on this tennis. We're doing five ish. Graphic novels trades for, for comic books and perhaps manga. I don't know. What qualifies us to, to give this list? Do we have any qualifications, Ryan, besides love of story and uh, an appreciation for the art of comic book storytelling? Um, I would say it's our rabid legion of fans demanding that we give our opinion on virtually everything. I mean, I was asked the other day what my favorite household cleaner is, and it's it's obviously Tide. So, um, you know, people just want to know about us because they love us. Oh, but what flavor of Tide Pod is your favorite? That's the big question. Um, I like... Life's a beach. Actually, life's a peach. Uh, it's like a peach <laughs> raspberry swirl. Um, like a margarita almost. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got a bit of a sweet tune, so mm. that's my favorite Tide Pods flavor. Interesting. I like that. Mine is Clorox, because it really gets results. That was a gross joke. So, I would say, uh, I know I'm going to I'm gonna flex here a little bit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flex uh, with my uh, obsessive tendencies and my orderly tendencies, I like to document a lot of things. And one way that I keep track of all the books that I have, because I have to own a lot of books for like school, and obviously I love to read. So one way that I keep track of all of them is I have an Excel spreadsheet of all the books that I own, mm. which I know sounds really nerdy, but it is actually handy. Yeah, that's not crazy. You keep that next to the the Excel spreadsheet of all the bodies you've collected, right? That is true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it comes in handy because I lend a lot of books to people. I'm sort of an Alex library. And so because of that, uh, you know, that's a good way for me to track because I have given away a lot of books over the years without <laughs> intending to do so. So you can track who has what book. Yeah. And then I can, you know, if, if they hold on to it for a you few months. You can politely show up to their house at three in the with morning and ask for it back. Yeah. So because of that list, I also track whether or not I've read it. So, you know, I don't ever go back and reread unless I absolutely want to. And according to my list, I have read, uh, 
80 uh, graphic novels and trades that have been collected in that format. And if we're counting the stories that I have read single issue that have been collected into trades later, it's well over 100. So wow. to, for some comic book readers, that's nothing. I'm just an am- amateur. But for others, you know, some people, I guess I, the passive fan, uh, they, they would say, wow. So that's, I guess that's sort of my qualification, but it, it doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> and I have read, how, how many is this list? How many are we doing on this five. list? Five. I've read five and I will give them to you. Perfect. And I will, I'm going to put a little asterisk for anyone who's waiting. We, we said no Alan Moore. And that was mainly a thing, so I didn't make my whole list Alan Moore. And so, uh, congratulations, I made an Alan Moore top five. Are you ready? <laughs> Let's speed. Yeah, there you go. Miracle Man, published by Marvel. He took it on. Neil Gaiman took it on after him. It, the story has never been finished because of copyright issues. How great. The Killing Joke. Mm. I put it as four. I'm sorry. Everybody loves it. But at this point, I get it. But, it, you know, I don't think it's as epic as everyone says. Yeah, it, but it's a great story. N- enough said. Enough said. Enough said. It's, a, it's a standard. Killing Joke. It's a very great story. Very wonderfully drawn. Three, people are going to say, why isn't this four? Or even five. Superman, whatever happened to the man of tomorrow, slash for the man who has everything. They're collected together. I'm counting them as one trade. They are fantastic. Whatever happened to the man of tomorrow is the ending of the Superman continuity before Crisis on Infinite Earths. If you don't know what I'm talking about, congratulations for losing your virginity before the age of 16. (laughs) I read that one when you gave it to me last year, and I was like, I put it down. I was like, I was just like, dang, that's freaking, I didn't, I didn't know all the continuity. Mm-hmm. I just read it like as a one-off and I was like, that was sick. Yeah. And then for the man who has everything is an amazing Superman story where he's, he's tripping balls and he, he thinks that he's on Krypton. Mm-hmm. Great story. So that's counted. That's collected together. Count as one trade. Everyone knows Superman's my favorite. I had to put that on there Two V for Vendetta. <laughs> Great story. I mean, the the movie too is actually a really good adaptation. It, it, it strays away a little bit, but that's just because they have to make it into a movie. And Vifrenet is great. Mm-hmm. The art in it, I think, is wonderful. Uh, it is, I think, published by Vertigo, which is technically DC at this point because they're not doing the Vertigo printing anymore. But at the yeah, time, the time. Uh, it was printed in a British magazine and then collected by Vertigo and sold in the States. And then, mm-hmm. no surprise here, Watchmen was number one. So congratulations. Look, we did an Alan Moore top five. I haven't even come close to reading half of his stuff. And I know that uh, he is just... I, I, I'm sorry, everyone who doesn't know any better. He is the greatest comic book writer of all time, not Stan Lee. I don't want to upset you. I know it's a contentious thing to say, but uh, Alan Moore, I mean, there's literally nothing more you can say. I, I literally just listed five of the best graphic novels of literally all time, objectively speaking. I, I, I just, It's just like they write so wildly different styles. Oh, yeah. I feel like you could make a case if like you loved camp. That that Stanley was better, but also I feel like if Alan Moore wanted to write the campiest, pulpiest superhero story, he could, and it would just like be flooring. Yeah, by far. And I, I mean, all of those stories. The the crazy thing too is the diversity in those stories. Miracle Man. If you if you read it and think of it contextually when it was published, it is crazy good. Just the full context. When was of it, it published? Give me a quick give me a, give me a quick context rundown of it. So it was revived in 1982. It actually started in the 50s. But Alan Moore took it over, and uh, it was for Eclipse Comics, I believe, in England. And the context is, before the 80s, comic books were still really campy, still really fun, still really goofy. And Alan Moore took Marvel Man, which was actually a character he grew up reading that kind of fell into obscurity uh, in 1963, 
and was given the opportunity to reboot him. And his idea was, I'm going to reboot him and do it like if superheroes existed in real life. And I know that's the typical onus for why Alan Moore is writing something. That that is mm-hmm. sort of like always the angle that he's going at. But the the big difference, I would say, between Marvel Man or Miracle Man, whichever one you want to go for, because that's another copyright issue, is the pacing. The pacing of this story, the first trade, I think, only collects four issues. It might be six, but I think it's four. It still has the pacing from the late 70s, early 80s, which is very quick, but it tells this crazy, crazy story. And, and there are twists, there are turns, there. it's just, you're like, because I'm used to reading comics from modern day, and modern day writers would literally probably take 16 issues to tell the story that Alan Moore could tell in four to six. Mm-hmm. I love the economy of that. And if you're mm-hmm. into a quick but very good story, wow. So, boom, right then and there, we got Miracle Man, which I put as five. The Killing Joke, like I said, amazing, amazing standard. It was so good, it became the main, it became a part of the mainstream. It was written as an Elseworld story. It got retconned into main continuity because it was that good. Like, you have, you, do you know how good the story has to be for that to happen? Uh, we already talked about yeah, Superman, yeah. Man, of, uh, Man of Tomorrow. V for Vendetta, I mean, he literally created a fascistic future in England and had a government uprising, and now Anonymous uses the masks. Like, he basically mm-hmm. started a social movement. And then Watchmen was, what if heroes were in real life, uh, inspired by old Charleston comics characters, but paced out over 12 issues. There are, again, twists, turns, mysteries. The art in it by Dave Gibbons is amazing. Watchmen is honestly quintessential comic book reading. Like, you, you literally have to read that story. So look at that. We can't mention Alan Moore because I just did. And yes, everyone who loves Alan Moore, he has his own top five because he's amazing. And every other one that's not in that top five is garbage. Because if it's not in the top five, you know it's trash. I'm not. That's in, how I've I'm not endorsing that. Top but you might not be wrong. Okay, so we've done our Alan Moore top. Yes, five. I gave the little. I'm very excited about it. Yeah, I read one of those, and I'm excited to read the other ones. I want to try one. Good. I, I told you I'm going to buy you a Watchmen, and you're going to read that because it is just. It, it's a. I mean. It definitely does not take a. Uh, it's not quick. You're not going to get through it quickly, but you don't want to. The the detail that is put into every individual panel and the thought that is put into every panel, I think, is really says a lot about what you can do with the medium and what you can do to art with art. You're you're really going to force me to read it just because of my my politeness. I just can't not do read something that was given to me. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you got me. You got me. I know. I know. I know. I could force it on you. So that's what I'm doing. It is no, there. There's just so much that goes into that, and he created basically a justice society. So he created a whole backstory of the universe too. It is is just good. I mean, yes, I, I I'm sorry. I know everybody says it. it. It is the it lives up to the hype. It's like the greatest comic book of all time. Sorry. So I have an honorable mention. Did, did you have one too, or should we start with my honorable mention and then flip flop? Well, let's start with the honorable mention, then we'll give the five, four, three, two. Okay. Okay. So we talked about it beforehand. Not only are we going to give the the series, but if it's a series of trades, we'll also give the specific trade. Like if you only had time to read one, which one do you think we should? Which one do we think you should read? Right. Um, and because of that, I am putting as my my honorable mention, Axe Cop Volume Six: The American Choppers by Malachi and Ethan Nicole. Oh, is this the one with the his son, the dad and the son? It's his little brother, but yeah, he's twenty four years older than his little brother. Okay. Yes. So the whole point of it, uh, the whole idea is that in like 2010, this comic book artist who was a popular humor comic book artist went to Christmas to celebrate Christmas and was hanging out with his five-year-old little brother. And his little brother came up with a character called Axe Cop. And 
he, as a joke, just started writing little comic strips about the, the their playtime together. He would basically visualize their playtime and, and turn it into um, a visual story. And it was just a joke for the family. And then one of the people in the family was like, why don't you just start a webcomic and see where it goes? And he was like, okay. So he started posting a webcomic, and it blew up. And then Dark Horse picked it up and started collecting the webcomics and releasing them as trades. So trades mm-hmm. 1, 3, and 5 are all the webcomics. And then trades two, four, and six are graphic novel, like written to be graphic novels, long form storytelling. Uh, Let's get serious about this. Yeah, and what's cool is in one, three, and five, they have a segment called um, Ask Axe Cop, and so fans would write in, and then um, Ethan, the older one, would give it to Malachi, the younger one, and Malachi would just go off the rails, and it would only be one page. Like that was sort of the idea. It was like, what can we answer this question in one page? And those are so much fun. But I personally enjoy the graphic novel form a little bit better. And Volume 6 is the last one, but it's the American Shoppers, where they basically get their own version of the Avengers. And, <laughs> God, if you can only read one, it is just so crazy. He, um, Axe Cop, uh, dresses up as a cat at night and does night missions. His partner is Flute Cop. Uh, Axe Cop's uh, catchphrase is, I will, ca- I will chop your head off. His dog is named Ralph Wrinkles. And he also, oh, Axe Cop is a cop, carries an axe, wears aviators, makes Flute Cop wears aviators. His dog, Ralph Wrinkles, also wears aviators. And he has healing lasers out of his eyes and death lasers out of his mouth. Uh, they have a whole police team and uh, you know a group of friends that they run around with. But Axe Cop's main mode of transportation is a T-Rex that can fly with Gatling gun hands that also wears an aviators, a pair of aviators, and his name is Wexter. If for some reason you don't feel like reading this, if you're like, no, I can't put that much time into it, there is an Axe Cop TV show. Is there really? Guess who is the, the voice of Axe Cop, which is the best casting ever? Uh, Nick Offerman. Did you look this up? No, that's a total guess. It's Nick Offerman. <laughs> of Ron Swanson. You're dead from... ass. You, you didn't look this up. I haven't told you this before. I, I straight up guessed. It's Nick Offerman. Nick Offerman is in it. Uh, his wife is in it. Uh, Ken Marino, Rob Hubel, Patton Oswalt plays Sakarang, who's on his team. Uh, Tyler, the creator, uh, plays Liborg. He's in the show. There are just so many crazy names. Allison Bree, a.k.a. Allison Bay, she's in the show. Uh, Ethan Nicole does, uh, or Ethan, who's the older brother, does a couple of voices. Malachi does the intro. He, he voice acts the, the intro. Alfred Molina, a.k.a. Doc Ock, is in the show. They're just, oh, wow. Yeah, there is, they have a voice cast for sure. And you'll sit there and you'll be like, is that Dan Harmon? And you're like, yeah, it's Dan Harmon. Like, it is right then and there. It is it is good. So, Axe Cop, I got really obsessed with it at one point, And it is sort of the thing that dragged me into comics. So, I always have a place in my heart for it. And the main reason why it's an honorable mention is because it, it, it won critical human, humor awards, obviously. But, you know, it's never going to be considered the greatest comic book of all time. And that's okay. But it has the the fun that comic books are supposed to have. It has the unbridled passion and just creativity that they've had forever. And it's not constrained by trying to be dark and brooding and tell, you know, tell a meaningful story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not sitting there trying to subvert your expectations. It's written by a five-year-old. So when... You, you know, when you know the concept of the, the deus ex machina, you know, from machine, um, God, God from machine, where if if there's a, an impossible story, then you know, an impossible task in a story, then something just kind of pops up at once and, you know, aids the 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 hero's journey. Yeah. So imagine that, but extend it to every time there's a problem, there's always a deus ex machina and your expectations are subverted when there's not. When, when it actually makes sense. <laughs> so that's the storytelling of X-Cop. It, every, you know, imagine a little kid playing, a five-year-old playing, 
and imagine what it would look like visually, and that's what you get, and it is amazing. Ralph Wrinkles is my favorite character. Ralph Wrinkles the dog. Yes, yeah. And Flute Cop. That is such a great name. It, it's amazing, and they draw him in the funniest way. Uh, Flute Cop always changes into different kind of cops, so at one point he's Avocado Cop, and then he's Dinosaur Soldier, and um, a couple other things. So I I just, it, it's so much fun, and it is obviously all PG, or it's G, because it's written by, well, PG. There's a lot of killing. Right. Oh, a lot of heads roll, literally. So it's a great book, and it's just so much fun, and you can just get them and just kind of burn through them for fun and just laugh and smile. I just ridiculous things in in the show there's the funniest oh god i i i was crying i had to pause it because it was so funny all of the water from the planet earth comes off of the surface and two of the uh, i think it's gray diamond and flute cop are talking to each other gray diamond's one of the characters and they're like oh my god all the water's taken from the earth and the other one goes yeah i know that's crazy and he goes you know what that means right and you know you're sitting there thinking like oh all of the fish on the in the planet are going to die or mm-hmm. you know just a bunch of odd like obvious answers and the other one goes, I know. It means the war between the sharks and the tigers is imminent. And you're like, what? And like, then you just find out that in the X-Cop world, there's this long-standing beef between sharks and tigers, and they were always destined to fight. That's like when... Uh... That's like when, like, the Atlanteans have to fight the Amazonians. It's like, oh, it's just always coming. Exactly, yeah. Like, it's destined. But it's just funny because they're, they're like, oh, we need to go stop it. And then they... Uh, I think they thought that the fight was going to take place in the water, but they didn't, or you know, in the ocean where the ocean used to be. But they didn't realize that the fight was going to take place uh, uh, in the savanna or in the jungle. So these sharks are just coming out of nowhere, biting these tigers. It is a sneak attack. It, it's a, a it's a special attack. That's a that's a big part of X Cop. Is like that's my special attack. So uh, X Cop is my honorable mention. All right. So what's your what's your five? My number five um, is the one I waffled on because. I, this is a nostalgia pick. I'm not mm-hmm. an expert on this one at all, but it is one of the earlier um, mangas that I read. Um, I think I just grabbed it off a of Barnes and Noble shelf, but it is called Beat Vandal Buster. Beat the Vandal Buster, uh, specifically Volume One. All right, Ex- give me the pitch because I've literally never heard of this before. <laughs> um, the pitch. The pitch is uh, so. There's a time, and I'm, I'm really reaching back. So there's a, there's a boy. His name is Beat, and he lives in an age where these monsters called, I think they're called Vandals, mm-hmm. yep, they're called Vandals, have invaded, and they show up, and they're just these monsters that people have to beat down, and they beat them down with these um, things, it's like this magic, and I'm looking it up, and it's called ten, Tenjikai, ten, 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 Tengeki, Tenjikai, <laughs> but it's like a divine power that like you summon a weapon, um, and you use it to fight these monsters. Um, it's pretty standard stuff. Mm-hmm. It starts off with him. Like his father is the greatest vandal buster of all time. And then he's got like a little team. And he wants to be on the team. And he's like there when they're fighting their big fight. And then they lose and they die. But when they before they die, they pass on all of their special weapons. My special power or special attack, if you will onto him so he has within him all of their all of their abilities and he just has to understand it's kind of like a mixture of like avatar the last airbender he's got like a little bit of everything and no one else has that ability and then from there on just becomes like a monster of the week and uh he goes along with his friend who this girl who's his friend and they they go and they fight the monsters very very simple very childish but you know the art is great the weapons of it is great i remember at that time i was really getting into 
you know, drawing manga and the art of it. And I drew these characters a lot, you know, looking a little bit more into it before we got into this, the author um, and the, the illustrator, you know, pretty good team, but the illustrator got ill. Mm-hmm. So it kind of derailed the series. It didn't really get as much notoriety because they stopped publishing it when, when the illustrator got sick. But nevertheless, it, it still stands out in my head as that single issue is like one of the ones that really got me in, interested in cartooning and, and drawing you know, figure and, and all this stuff. So beat the Vandal Busters. Pretty standard, but it, it has a special place in my heart, and I, I think it's a, it's a pretty good volume. No, I mean, if that can influence anybody else to start drawing and, you know, even get half as good as you are, I mean, why not? Like, that's awesome. That's good that it's on the list. Yeah, so there you go. Want a little diversity, a little yeah. world. We got a manga. little world entry. Yeah. Yeah. Good. All right, so that, I like that. That's that's a good one. It's a, it's a personal one, but it's nice. I like mm-hmm. So So for my number five, this is the only time I'm going to do this, I promise. I had a tie. I had to. Do you say that now? I think there's going to be a tie for every single There's not one. a tie for everyone, I promise you. It's a tie between Why the Last Man and the Omega Men. Okay. Why the Last Man is written by Brian K. Vaughn, who also wrote a popular uh, series, which I assume is going to be on Ryan's list, but he it, another one he wrote is Paper Girls. And uh, Why the Last Man is basically every single human male – no, I'm sorry, every single mammal male – died at the same exact time with the exception of one and his name is Yorick and he is the last man and uh it is about how society changes because i think it takes place in the early 2000s so they have a stat of how many people in the federal government are men and then you know it kind of brings up the question of what do we do now and Mm -hmm. you know here's Yorick who is a struggling magician and all he wants to do is find his girlfriend but she was studying abroad in Australia. And there are actually men that are in a space station, but you find that out later. And uh, I, I say read the first volume. The first volume is amazing. There are five. Mm-hmm. The first volume is awesome. Uh, I've read it a couple times. The art in it is great. It's great for the story that's being told. I think it's uh, drawn by a Brazilian artist, uh, Pia Guerra. I could be pronouncing that wrong. And mm-hmm. the, the wit, the humor, the fun, uh, the adventure... Uh, there's a conflict with a sister. I really like it. Great story. The ending is awful. Really disappointed me. So don't get too invested. Uh, one, two, and three are very solid books, though. And four and five. Alex wipes away tears. Don't get too invested. Don't get too invested. Get too invested. No. And then The Omega Men by Tom King, who is one of my favorite authors who's writing currently. He's amazing. And The Omega Men is his take on a classic team, which is basically, it's always been described as uh, DC's Guardians of the Galaxy. And he takes it and basically does a war story in space uh, told by the perspective of Kyle Rayner, a.k.a. a Green Lantern. And he's not allowed to bring his ring with him, so it's just his wits. And it is a guerrilla fighting force fighting against this empire um, that controls a a solar system. And uh, it is so good. It almost got canceled like three or four times during the run. It's only 12 issues, but I read it on a plane and I burned through it and it was just great. So that's, Mm. those, that's my five. It's a tie. It's the only tie I have. I promise. It's a good five. I I like it. I like it. Mm -hmm. I like it. Okay. So I'll move, I guess I'm moving on to four. four. Um, So my four is going to be kingdom come the DC, just absolute all-star, all this, all the heroes come together. It is so good. And I thank you for giving it to me. Um, you're very welcome. And it's got it's got a solid story. I would say the number one reason I have it on this list and why I think you should read it is that it is just like the absolute like it's just redlining what this medium can do mm-hmm. in terms of art and in terms of realism. Every panel like you think of in like film 
education, they talk about every uh, frame, a portrait, every panel is a full on work of art. I I remember I saw some stills of it before you made me read it. And I was like, this kind of looks again, like out of touch. Like, I don't know how good it's going to be. The story is so timely and the story is so good. Uh, It's, it's, you know, the house divided, the superheroes, it's like civil war, uh, Marvel fans, if you know, like dividing your, your, your favorites along ideological lines. Um, but the art is just, it, uh, you're just gobsmacked every time you see it. It's its beautiful. It's how all of these characters should be rendered Yes, um, all the time. Um, and might it's I, fantastic. Might I add, in my opinion, one of the best Superman scenes set to comic book page. And it's not going to be the one that you think it is, but the Kingdom Come. I'm thinking of the one where he's like tilling the earth. That's exactly like what like I'm talking about. That, so that was the volume. I don't remember what um, issue that is. I think it's the first one. But if, if you... If, okay, and I would recommend you just pick up the first one and read it because there's a scene where Superman, old, retired, mm-hmm. he's re- become a farmer and he's just like, it's just glorious. Like the landscaping yes. and like this like barren wasteland in Kansas that he lives in and there's the, the muscle and the, it's, it's, un, it's unbelievable. You're like, this could hang in, in a museum. It's, it's gorgeous. Yeah. And the reason why to me that moment's so powerful is because it shows all along who, Clark Kent is. He's just a farmer, man. And um, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I think I talked. I think I messaged you that. Yeah. I was like, I love farmer Superman. Farmer Superman, yeah. Uh, he also has a arguably one of the coolest outfits he's ever worn in Kingdom Come, so that's cool. Yeah, and and I just yeah, if you want to see, you know, people think of cartoons, you know, guys with big eyes or anime or whatever. If you want to see some next level stuff. You got to read Kingdom Come. You just got to get it. You just got to read it. Yeah. And you, you have to see it. Absolutely will not regret it. Must watch. It's like a it's like a movie that you go, you have to see in theaters. You have to see Kingdom yeah. Come. You have to see it. And that's drawn by Alex Ross. Um, co- written and co-written by uh, Mark Wade, but written by Alex Ross as well. So that was your four, right? Mm-hmm. So my mm-hmm. four is Superman for All Seasons by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. Uh, not the only Jeff Loeb, Tim Sale story that I've read. Uh, Jeff Loeb, by the way, I hope I'm not pronouncing that incorrectly, but it's L-O-E-B, so I'm, I'm assuming it's Loeb. Um, Loeb. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wrote Hush. He wrote Batman the Long Halloween. And a couple other really, really big stories. Tim Sale uh, is a frequent collaborator with, with him. He did not uh, draw Hush, but he did draw the Long Halloween. He has a very distinct style, and if you like it, you love it. And I, I think he I, – I like his style a lot. He also did Haunted Night, mm-hmm. uh, Dark Victory. Spider-Man Blue, Daredevil Yellow, a bunch of stuff. Just they 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 really know how to how to do it upright. They really do. Um, however, Superman for all seasons, I put at four because with Superman being my favorite character, I feel like there isn't unfortunately there isn't really that like argument with what the best Superman trade is. You know what I mean? Like there aren't many graphic novels or trade like collected issues of Superman stories that are really sort of definitive or really sort of uh, highlight the character in a really good way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Because I remember I was, I was like, I need to, I would like to understand Superman and read more of him. But like, where's the seminal work? Where's the exactly one thing I can get where I can just get a little bit of everything? Yeah, and like it touches on his origin. And and I, I would say if you're looking for that from Superman, if you're looking to understand what the big deal is about this guy, and you want to know why he is this symbol of hope, I would say. Turn to Superman for all seasons. Jeff Loeb and because uh, everyone says All Star Superman, I was about to say read All Star Superman afterwards because I think like you'll grow to love him and then All Star Superman will kind of take you 
take you the rest of the way. Yeah. Well, Grant Morrison is always just such a big brain, and he's the author of All-Star Superman. And it is good, and it is basically like a love letter to Superman, um, All-Star Superman is. But, you know, with my, my point being made of the um, the seminal Batman, you know, the seminal work for Superman, think about how many seminal Batman works there are. We have the Court of Owls slash mm-hmm. City of Owls, which is very, very recent. Same with Batman White Knight. We have Arkham Asylum. We have Hush. We have Dark Knight Returns. We have The Killing Joke. We have The Long Halloween. We have Year One. Like, we have all of these interpretations of this character that are always done really, really cool and really, you know, new takes. But we don't really have that much for the tentpole character of the franchise. And that is why I put Superman on uh, all, for all seasons on there. It, it covers all seasons. It's 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 uh, four issues collected. So there's a winter, spring, summer, fall. And it really just kind of tells you what his character is, sort of as he's developing his character himself. And I, I, I've made it clear before, I haven't talked about it recently, I hate the Superman-Lois Lane pairing. I think it's dumb. I hate Lois. And this one sort of focuses on Superman and Lana. And I think the Clark Kent-Lana-Lang uh, relationship is a lot more meaningful. So if you're into that, um, you're also going to get, you know, a nice little story between the two, too. So Yeah. And then the art of that one is, like, so – it's just so gentle and yes. innocent, and it just harkens back to, you know, coming of age and simplicity. It's – it's it is a delightful read. It really that is, is. That was a very good pick. Wholesome, and he's not you know he's not ripped. He's just he's anything. He's kind of pudgy the way they draw him, but it it, it fits his personality more with the way that with the story that they're telling, and it's great. Um, it, it, I've I never see that book talked about, but it needs to be because it's good. Yeah, it's incredible. You're reading it and you just feel comfortable. You just feel home. It's so good. It's so yeah. Good. And when they talk about you know he's supposed to be the symbol of hope. I mean, you, you, I, I feel like you feel it when you're reading it. So I, I throw it on there for sure. All right. So what's your three? What's your number three? Okay, cool. So I'm hopping on number three. I'm going to go with Saga, the oh. aforementioned Brian K. Oh. Vaughn. And a very underratedly illustrated by Fiona Staples. I think she's the engine. She's, she's that the driving force. That thing. Yeah. She's the one behind um, it. Saga, always, I always see it, you know, described as Star Wars meets Romeo and Juliet. Um, just a... a a, a wonderful kind of small family mm-hmm. tale between um, two people, you know, each belonging to the either side of a warring, um, warring factions um, in intergalactic mayhem. You know, they're in outer space. Um, I would say the reason I really like this, like one of the re- like low key reasons I very much like this is kind of like your, your mention when you were talking about uh, Axe Cop. Mm-hmm. It's just, this is, imagination gone wild and that's why i think fiona staple is really the engine the illustrators are the engine because brian k vaughn talks about how he a lot of this stuff are just characters he came up with like in school and had been playing around with like the one of the main characters is a a prince with a, a tv there's a race of people with televisions for heads and their mood is displayed on their heads or their inner thoughts are displayed on the screen and it's every every new character is so detailed and so nuanced and they they directly relate to you know something in in the real world i think it's just it's genius and it's beautiful and it's such a good read there's a lot of penises so i always read these on airplanes there are lots of penises so if you're uncomfortable um which the people next to me on airplanes must be because i get a lot of nudges but whatever yeah and again another one you turn me on to so and it's not from dc or marvel it's image so it's a it's its own thing it's its own universe um, they're raising their child. The child grows up throughout the volumes. It's criminally not done, not finished. We're still waiting for more of Saga. But it's it's 
if you're like not into comics at all, if you're not interested and you want like a story, like the story between the relationship between these two people is extremely real. The conversations they have are really good and nuanced and it's about family and it's, it's fabulous. It's fabulous. I absolutely, I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, the first trade ends with their family taking off into space in a wooden rocket ship accompanied by a ghost monkey. <laughs> uh, uh, eviscerated. Yeah, an eviscerated ghost, ghost monkey. There's only half of her body and her organs are always hanging out in, in her ethereal form. So, <laughs> With a part woman, part tarantula, like succubus hot in pursuit. Yes, yes. Uh, my favorite character in that series is Goose, by the way. You know who <laughs> oh, I'm talking yeah, about? Of course, of course. Yeah. I'm Lion Cat. Lion Cat's my favorite. Oh, yeah. She she is awesome. That's such a good character. I, again, I would say if you have to read it, read one. Get hooked. Read volume one. It's a, it's a very good entry point. It gets you hooked. Volume one. But my favorite is volume nine because of that gut wrench. And if you know, you know. That's all I'm going to say. If you know, you know. Talk about a good way to handle a climax. And that's the issue with Why the Last Man is you're kind of sold a promise throughout the whole series. And I don't feel like that promise is ever delivered on. And so you're not really given a good climax. If the book stopped where it has stopped at the end of nine, it would still be a great ending to a story. And it would literally stop halfway through and I wouldn't care. I just want more because I know it can be better. The end of nine means 54 issues. We've literally gotten 54 issues of the series. They were supposed to go to 108. And like I would if they went for 300, I would read every single one. Like no problem. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm hooked. It's one of my favorite things. It's I I don't think I have a TV show or a movie series that compares to how much I like Saga and how much I want the next one to come out. So, um, that's my that's my three. I'm I'm Saga. So my three is uh, this might surprise you or maybe it won't. Justice by Alex Ross. Okay. So Alex Ross has done um, a couple long form stories for DC and Marvel. He just put out a. Um, a Marvel's X is actually his current series that's going on. He put out one called Marvel's. He did one uh, a book called Marvelocity, which got really big. But he put out a story called Justice and has never talked about. And the reason why I put it on the list and the reason why I like it so much is because it's almost such a generic Justice League story that if you've mm-hmm. never read a DC comic book before, you don't feel like you're missing out on something. Okay, and this is another one of those gauche. Uh, yes. Yeah. So Alex Ross, he's famous for drawing hyper-realistic uh, paintings are painting hyperrealistic paintings in gauche. So it has that mm-hmm. almost pastel, almost oil painting feel to it. It's hyperrealistic, mm-hmm. so it looks super, super great. And mm-hmm. uh, this particular, like I said, this particular story uh, does not assume that you know something already. It doesn't spoon feed you details, but it does not assume that you have, you know, a hundred years worth of continuity knowledge. It assumes that you have the basic background of the characters, and then it just takes off from there. And it is a story of. The Injustice League um, almost succeeding. And it's just the Justice League having to take him down. And it it perfectly portrays, in my opinion, all the characters involved. It's not a futuristic take, so you're getting them as they are. And Alex Ross is notoriously inspired by the Silver Age. So if you yes. like that style, which the Silver Age, you, you can't but love that style, in my opinion. Like, it is just so good. I know everyone has their opinion with the early 90s, which... You know, call it the Bronze Age, the Copper Age, whatever you want to call it, um, with their pockets and their big oversized guns and their small feet. The Silver Age is just, it's just so many iconic character designs came out of that time that are still used today. And he goes right back to them. So 
I would say Justice by Alex Ross. If I didn't, if I couldn't put Alex Ross, I would probably have put Justice League New Frontier by Darwin Cook, which is also a big tribute to the Silver Age. Hey, 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 you said no ties. You said no more I ties. I didn't say it was a tie. I just said if I if I didn't put this, this is what I would put. <laughs> that sounds like a cop-out for a tie. It's not a tie, I promise you. Justice is very clearly... I really like Justice. So uh, if you like that gauche uh, look, Justice and Kingdom Come are right next to each other on the rack. Buy them both. I, I do remember after I finished Kingdom Come looking up more and I saw Justice and it was, you're right, it was not talked about, but it, it's the same kind of vein and it's almost like this is, if you liked Kingdom Come, here's them in their younger years. And yeah, you're right, it looks beautiful. Yeah, and I, I like the accessibility of it because DC's biggest problem is that, it, is that it feels very inaccessible to most people. So the fact that That's you can good. jump into this beautifully drawn story and not really have a problem with knowing where everything's going... I, I, it has to be on the list. It's great. Sounds like something that should have been adapted to film. Just saying. Oh, I, I totally agree. But you, you know, you would have had a lot of characters. So, um, mm-hmm. all right, your number two. What are we at? Are we dropping? My number two. My number two is by Mr. Tom King, and it is Mr. Miracle: ah. The Trade, the oh, miniseries. So good. Twelve part miniseries. I really think this is. I mean, we may mention it before. I think this is really what got me hooked. This is what really showed me what comics could be. What what where they're going, what the current state is. Um, taking Mr. Miracle, uh, you know, relatively not important. You know, he was played a big part in, in, in you, know, you know, New Gods and, and Fourth World and all that stuff. But, um, you know, taking that character and, and just giving him a unique and new voice and, and using his ability, his superpowers. He, you know, he's a new god. He can super strong and all that stuff. But his unique ability is that he can escape from anything. And using that as like a parallel and using that as like a, an allegory for for mental health and 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 you know trauma. Um, it's 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 great. It's great. It's Tom King. Um, it's beautifully beautifully rendered. You know, a little more simple, but just gorgeous. And you always feel like you're trying to understand some existential meaning coming out of every um, issue. And I like that. I always like to try to analyze. So I appreciate that. I would say my favorite issue, if you had to read one, would be number four. If I'm not mistaken, I believe that is the beach, the one where Mr. Miracle and Scott Free is going out to the uh, to the boardwalk and going sitting down on the beach and and having this discussion with his with his wife and it's 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 great. It, it's just people talking, panel, 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 but it's great. That's and it's beautiful. That's the exact uh, scene I was going to say that stood out to me. I, I, it's either four or five. It's it's right in there somewhere. There's some great. There's some great. Um, there's some great action set pieces. There's an, a there's a fabulous um, issue where it's. All them infil- the two characters are infiltrating the headquarters. Oh God! Of, of, yeah. um, of Orion, and they're having this conversation the whole time. And you, you're just like, I waited so many, so many weeks, like a month for this, and they're just like they're walking and talking. It's like an Aaron Sorkin walk and talk, but superheroes and they're fighting. They're talking about uh, remodeling their condo. Yeah, the whole th- it's so banal, but you're getting what you need. You don't realize it, and then there's a twist at the end, and it's it's just great. Um, there's so many. It's just like each. Each issue was kind of a joy to open and read as it was coming out. So, Mister Miracle really got me going, and, and I, I do think it's a, a, a comic everyone should read. I'm yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, it's been compared to Watchmen a lot just because of what it's done to the medium and what people have tried to do since then. And I think that's important. Uh, I knew it was going to be a big deal. I think it's in the first issue when there's that little exchange where they're explaining that um, a kid was in, sitting in class one day and was assigned to draw anything he wanted. So he sat there and he decided that he would draw God. 
And then the teacher made him get in front of the class, and she said, what did you draw? And she's, uh, he said, God. And she said, well, you can't draw a God. Nobody knows what he looks like. And he said, yeah, until now. And, like, <laughs> I don't know. That's just such a weird but powerful story that I don't know. I'm sure it's not original. Maybe Tom King came up with it. Or maybe not. Um, if he didn't, that's the first time I've ever heard that story. And, like, the philosophical implications of just that little tidbit and then trying to connect them to the story that you get told later in the issue is just enough to make you think where you're like, I want to just be here in this space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, we talked about, I think we, before we had the podcast, we were nerds and just talking about this kind of stuff. And we talked because the ending doesn't really give you a lot of answers. And we're just like, it's like this journey, you know, it's like a meditation almost where, you know, you don't get a massive payoff. And it's like, that's maybe that's the point, you know? Yeah, and maybe that's what we want because what what is what is a massive payoff at the end of a story but something for half the people to love and half the people to hate yeah game of thrones well 99 percent of the people yeah. to hate one percent of the people <laughs> to love it's almost like he took the whole the what's the right word for that Par- parable parable of um mm-hmm. it's not the journey it's the or it's not the destination it's the journey it's the journey not the destination however you, whatever you say and it's almost like okay i'll just write a whole book around that like it, it's not about mm-hmm. where we're where we're going to; it's about how we're getting there. God, even the the thought that they put into with the paneling, because there's a lot of nine, nine panel grids, mm-hmm. but then you find out that they're they're supposed to represent prison bars. This isn't a spoiler because it's the very first. I think it's the very first page. Uh, he tries to kill himself, mm-hmm. and because he's Mr. Miracle, he's an escape artist, and he said, "I I look at me, I'm such a good escape artist, I could even escape death." But he's doing that as a joke, you know. He's saying that even like making light of the fact that he did try to kill himself. <laughs> Right again, escaping responsibility, escaping having to to face this demon inside him. It's it's it is one of one of my more favorite things to read. Is this is this uh, trade? And it's something that I feel like you can easily go back to and reread. It's not something you read once and just put down. Well, that's a solid number two. I'm very very excited to see what number one is because I honestly have no idea. <laughs> yeah, you thought it was going to be that one. I thought didn't it you? was honestly. So my number two is the Starman Omnibus by James Robinson. Oh, he did the omnibus. Well, it's it, it, it's just a trade. It's it's not really. Trust me, I have two omnibus sitting next to me right now, which is the full collection of the story. This quote unquote uh-huh. Starman omnibus is in six parts, so it's just a trade. Okay. All right. Um, it collects, I believe, the first twelve. Let's say twelve issues of the Starman story that I believe started in 1993 or either late 80s, early 90s. That's what I'll say. It's written by a guy named James Robinson, and it was a mainstream dc book at the time it started with their zero hour event which was just a big thing that happened in that time period changed a few things didn't change much imagine a vertigo book so when i I say vertigo book which is the imprint that dc had for a little bit which was sort of like the edgy cool not really mainstream superheroes but still comic book and still superhero related but you know we're going to do constantine and we're going to do books of magic and we're going to do why the last man and even sandman Starman feels like a Vertigo story, but it's not. Mm-hmm. So it has this mm-hmm. edge about it where you're like, I'm not sitting in the mainstream. Simultaneously, <laughs> it all you hipsters out there just all of a sudden, yeah. you know, started salivating. Well, the cool thing about the Vertigo books is when you read them, uh, Preacher is a Vertigo book too. When you read them, you sit there and you think, it's almost like a feeling of like, am I even allowed to read this? Like, this isn't a comic book. This is something different. This is so much cooler. And like, it has that edge to it. But Starman is a character from the 40s. In the 50s. And it has a very, very long history. I think there have been eight Starmans. And... Starmen. Starmen. Eight Starmen. There's a whole team star of... Star people. Star, star individuals. This one is a story about, I believe, the third one, his son, dealing with legacy. 
and and you know that old one from the Justice Society from you know the 40s and 50s, that one got old and he can't be Starman anymore. But someone needs to be Starman. Someone has to protect the city. The youngest son of his, um, Jack, doesn't want anything to do with it and doesn't think he's a hero and doesn't think that he has the ability to be a hero and thinks that what his dad did was dangerous and reckless. And one day his dad's past comes knocking and someone has to answer for it. And so he's not only dealing with legacy, but he's dealing with his relationship with his dad. He's dealing with his relationship with his older brother. At the same time, he's trying to run his own business. So he's like a, a collector and he has like an antique store. He's just trying to navigate all these different things at once. And it really, you, you know how Spider-Man got so popular in the 60s and 70s because they were taking someone and having, giving him a normal life. And, you know, the idea was like, oh, I could be Spider-Man. Like anybody could be Spider-Man. He mm -hmm, lives a normal mm -hmm. life. I feel like this is the 90s version of that because you're sitting there and on one hand, he's trying to run his business. He's, he's trying to deal with the fact that his mom's gone. And really the only reason why he springs into action is because a um, museum wing named after his mom gets threatened. So he's like, well, I'm not going to let my mom's legacy get destroyed tonight. So he's like, fine, I will reluctantly go do this. I really don't want to. And then once he accepts the responsibility, he even says, I'm not Starman full time. I'm Starman when needed. I have a job. Like I have a life. And so mm. it's just this the story of this guy who's dealing with so many of these intricacies and it's got the edge to it, but it deals with the legacy of the DC universe at the same exact time. And it's one of I, I would say from my impression, it's one of those things that not many people have read. It's one of those things that might not really appeal to everybody. But if it appeals to your sensibilities, it's gonna be something that automatically appeals and sticks. And um I picked it up on on a whim. I saw some dude on YouTube talk about it and I was like, eh, I got an extra, you know, 25 bucks to blow. I guess I'll check out and see what he said. If it's not good, I won't pick up the rest. And wow, I was genuinely surprised. And if you don't want to spend any money on it and you already have DC universe, every single issue is on DC universe for free right now. Go read. You have no excuse. <laughs> you have no excuse. You know, that's, you said it was in the early nineties, right? That's yeah. When it came out. Yeah. That's, um, and you're just talking about it. It sounds a lot like, you know, the struggle of like generation X yeah. with having the, 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 generation before you and all this uh, you know all this pressure and all this you know you know you're all right you have you're dealing with old family members and siblings and you're trying to start your own life and you know these expectations and you don't feel the same because it's another generation impressing upon you that the, i mean if anyone's a generation x that sounds like something that would really speak to those those folks yeah and now now that you're putting that in terms the justice society is almost the greatest generation of superheroes right where everything was all right. hunky dory and it was just a game almost and it wasn't serious and you know in the 40s i mean that's that yeah. is the greatest i mean that's exactly. world war ii that's exactly the, the folks and they have all this lifestyle that it just doesn't it doesn't square with the world we live in now or at least at the time of the 90s yeah so i i know it's a very good point and um you know being being a young young man a lot of the themes didn't resonate with me. That's why I think I'm drawn to it. So I, I liked it a lot. The art in it is beautiful as well. So like I said, it's free on DC Universe right now. Uh, if you're if you're interested, you know, it's free. You have to pay the, the monthly fee for it. But if, I'm saying if you already have it, it's there. Mm -hmm. So that's my All two. All right, cool. So we ready? We ready big, for big some drum number roll, ones? Big drum roll for number one. Here's number one. A lot, lot of controversy around this, I'm sure. But it's... It's our podcast, so you can you can stick it where the sun don't shine. Here we go. My number one favorite trade of all time is Calvin and Hobbes by Bill Watterson, and specifically the It's a Magical World collection. How did I know you were going to do something like? How did I? How did you know? I mean, it is a comic. <laughs> it's a comic strip. Hey, no, you're right. The first Calvin comic books were just comic strips collected, so you're there. <laughs> 
the first trades were, were web comics, you know, collected as we, we come full circle. Uh, Calvin and Hobbes, if you don't know, I would strongly encourage you to go look it up. It's uh, Sunday, uh, you know, Sunday comics every day, appearing in the funnies of the newspaper. Mm-hmm. It's a boy, um, his stuffed tiger who comes to life in his imagination, um, living his life with his parents, going to school, all this, that, and the other. Very boyish, very charming, but written with just a, such a wonderful philosophy and, and, a, and a, just a beautiful humor. Um, I've read, I have every single trade. I have every single, I've read every single strip of Calvin and Hobbes, and every single one's a banger. You read Family Circus, for example. Oh, you go so read bad. Family Circus. Go pick up a newspaper today. Read Family Circus. They're, that's being phoned in. That, I mean, no disrespect. Go get that money. But some of those just don't make sense. It's a one-panel comic. Shut up. Like, like <laughs> it's just bad. Right. And and Garfield, another group people one people love. Some of those are just terrible. I've read all the Garfields, too. I, I And, you know, I've read all the Garfield fan fiction, unfortunately. <laughs> um, Calvin and Hobbes, every single one finds a way. Like, they're just so good. It's a very traditional, very simplistic inking style that is just absolutely, you talk about redlining the medium, is used so well. It's it's beautiful. It's a beautiful philosophy. A lot of people share it. I've shared, you know, my grandfather introduced it. It was always a thing that we shared. It was, it was a big part of my upbringing. And you kind of talk about, you know, being a young man. I, I always look back fondly on those days of playing in the backyard and having an imagine big imagination yeah. and, and, you know, living in those worlds. And that, that, this takes you right back to it. And then there's also just wonderful insights from the author, Bill Waterson. And, um, I can't say enough good things about Calvin and Hobbes. And this is magic on paper. Uh, it's a magical world. It's a magical I chose world. that okay. one, that collection specifically because it, it just has most of the later ones. Where it's just like peak Calvin and Hobbes. And um, if you don't know, he the uh, the creator kind of walked away from it when it was the most popular comic strip. You know, everyone was talking, everyone loved it, and he just left because he was done. He told his story, and and that was it. And it's kind of like a mystery, like why, you know. Um, he's very protective of his, or he was very protective of his property. You know, you don't see a lot of these toys. So what 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 there is of there is made by people to give to like their kids or to their friends, um, and it's just really kept a, a purity about the property. No Pixar movie, no you know Minions, Calvin and Hobbes crossover. It it's just it is the medium in its most um, pure form. Yeah, no, I I think picking that too says a lot. Um, just because if there wasn't for comic strips, there wouldn't be comic books, there wouldn't be graphic novels, there wouldn't be Watchmen. You know, sort of going back to the roots of the medium and picking something that is sort of a lost art, too. I mean, syndicated comic strips really aren't a thing anymore. Because that's, that's, that's the whole point of uh, when you say it was the biggest one, the, the way it becomes the biggest one is through syndication and, you know, newspapers wanting to pick it up. So the system was not every newspaper is going to have the same comic, comic strips. Uh, you have to pay for it, and you know I think all of them nowadays have peanuts. But at the time when these things were getting put out, and he's drawing them what day to day or week to week, every day, every, every day. single day. So think about the pressure of drawing. I mean, it's just four panels, but that could be a lot, you know, a mad respect. And that's why I say like it's so unique that it just seems. And again, maybe I'm biased, but it just seems like if not every single one of them, a very high percentage are extremely well thought out, well planned, and beautifully executed. Yeah. And and you just don't see that. It's it's too it's like if you came into work every single day throwing a hundred miles an hour. No one no one does that. No. Nobody does that. Well good. I, I like that as a number one. 
That's my number one. I'm sticking to it. Please do. I'm very interested to see your number one. So the thing is, you know exactly the series. Everybody knows the series if they've listened before. It's not going to be a surprise. Uh, But I guess the the anticipation can come in the the trade, the volume. So my number one is Sandman. I know we're all surprised. But it is just so good. I, I... I know I've talked about it at length before. I, I've mentioned Neil Gaiman and Frank Herbert's names so many times I deserve to get paid, I think. But Sandman is early 90s, late 80s Vertigo, so it has that edge to it. But it's Neil Gaiman, and he has this fantastical personality or this fantastical perspective on things. And he takes a concept, and when you hear Sandman, there was a character named the Sandman that was on the Justice Society of America, and Neil Gaiman decides that he's going to do something mystical with it. And that Sandman from the 40s is well entangled into this story, but has nothing to do with him. There are a uh, series, or a set of siblings. There's seven of them. Uh, there's seven? Yeah, there's seven. And they are fundamental forces of the universe, if that makes any sense. So there's dream, there's destruction, there's desire, there's delirium, there's destiny, there's death. And God, I'm forgetting one. But maybe there's only six, but I think there's seven. And uh, look at me saying this is my favorite series. I can't remember how many, how many um, endless there are. That's what I'm, I'm called. I'm a big fan. It, it, just because you don't remember every single thing about it. It's like my first one with Beep. If you don't remember everything about it, it doesn't mean that it didn't have oh, a exactly. huge impact on you. It yeah. can't be your favorite thing. So that's a very good point. Thank you. There are these fundamental forces, and the main character is Dream, who also goes by the name Morpheus. And... I recommend reading, I believe there's 14 trades you can get. The main story has 10. There's an 11th that gets tacked on. Then there's the Overture, then there's Death, and then there's the Dream Hunters. Overture is great. It's it's technically like a, a prelude to the very first trade. Where Overture ends is where the first trade begins. Do not read Overture first. Overture is supposed to be read well past uh, the first one. Start at the first one. And if you're if you're planning to do it, that's the very best place to start. The first one tries to wrap itself into DC continuity, but afterwards it just stops, and it realizes that it's something different, and it's its own thing. And it's not about heroes in spandex saving the city over and over again. It's about these big philosophical questions. About It's about these big, these big questions and these big conflicts that stretch cultures and stretch times and stretch imaginations. And Morpheus rules over the dreaming, which is a realm that is a, connected by everybody on the planet and every living being on the planet. And... It's where we go when we sleep. And so, you know, it's a, it's basically a place of limitless potential, and he has to take control of it. And he has to sort of rule it over and learn what to do with it. And the character that is created in the story is so complex, but yet so simple in a way that when it ends, you're not surprised, but you just wish it didn't have to happen that way. But you know it couldn't have happened any other way, if that makes any sense. I won't give a lot of details on the ending. Do you know the what the song for... Have you ever seen MASH, the TV show? Yeah. You know the opening song? No. You know what I'm talking about? Just keep going. This will be our outro. Do, do, that's a, it's a great outro. So the name of that song is actually Suicide is Painless. And it was written, the MASH was a movie originally. The song was written by the director's son when he was like 16, and he sold the rights to the song to be used. 
And I, I was when I read, I like to listen to music, and sometimes I'll listen to playlists that are already created to go along with what I'm reading. And someone made a Sandman mm-hmm. playlist, and Suicide is Painless is on that. And that is like the best way I can sum up the emotional tone of the last few trades. And uh, it is great. So I'm picking Sandman as my number one. The trade that I'm picking is volume four, Seasons of Mists. And if I if, if you only read one Sandman issue or trade, this is the one that I, I would want you to read. That, that was the parameter Ryan gave me. And the reason for that is in trade uh, trade one, I believe, Morpheus made Lucifer angry. And Lucifer decided that the best way to get back to him would not be to fight him and kill him. But instead, it would be to let everybody out of hell and give the key to Morpheus and tell him to deal with the problem. That That's the same way I passive-aggressively like deal with my roommates. I'm like, hey, I just got you this really hard-to-take-care-of plant. Mm-hmm. See ya. Or Enjoy uh, it. your roommates to you, hey, I just adopted this cat, but I'm going to go on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> So, oh my gosh, I identify with this character. Exactly. And so the whole story is Morpheus basically holding counsel with all these different pantheons of gods who are no longer in power because their time is sort of, you know, been done and gone on earth and they're trying to get power back. So they're trying to convince them to give them hell, to give them the underworld. And the resolution is a very Neil Gaiman-esque resolution, which is almost sort of like an anti-resolution that makes any sense mm-hmm. and god it is good i just just seeing the way that morpheus interacts with these deities seeing the way that he intertwines norse mythology and all these other mythologies in with this story in a way that makes sense is just so well crafted so good that's that's my number one sandman yeah I, you know with each one of these can make the case but if, if you can go and say like um you know, American Gods is a is a New York Times bestseller and lauded as you know art. There's no there's no way that this issue of Sandman can't be. There's no way. Yes, and uh, there's no way that parts of Mister Miracle can't be or Saga or Justice or you know. There's no way. You have to recognize it. You have to if you're gonna recognize one, you have to recognize both because they both have they have the same merit. I believe it was time that put Watchmen as one of the greatest American novels since like the 1930s. So there's there's a medium out there that needs to be respected, and in that medium, we got a whole list. I mean, we we basically gave I think close to 20 graphic novels, or mangas, or collected comic strips, and uh, I mean the only thing we can say is I love them. I appreciate them, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Sandman's my number one. Calvin and Hobbes is your number one. And I think we got good lists. I'm sorry. And I, I'll, I'll say this. I have read Marvel trades. I'm, I We're not ignorant in that fact. But it is well known that Marvel does not have as strong trades and graphics as DC. A lot of seminal works in the, the comic book industry are created by DC. And trust me, I literally just finished Craven's Last Hunt today. And God, is that a good book. It's a Spider-Man book. It is awesome. Holy, wholeheartedly recommend it. Uh, last week, I read three Chris Claremont X-Men trades. Each one of them, fantastic. God Loves Man Kills is a masterpiece. But I'm not apologizing for the lack of diversity from comic book publishers on my list. Ryan decided to be 
all fair or whatever. But well, I mean, I think mine is an admittedly more surface level knowledge of of comics, but also it's a little. It's just it's more varied because I've kind of just dipped my toes into the yeah. surface. I haven't done the deep dive, you know. So yeah, I, I mean, I very easily could have slotted um. Uh, you know, vision a little more than man. I could have slotted that in there. Oh, I thought you were yeah, going to. I love that. I love that trait. Yeah, and that's Marvel, and that's I love it. So, um, but you know, ultimately, ultimately, I just didn't. So that's how it goes. Yeah. So, what's the fic? Are we gonna Are we gonna have time for a fic? <laughs> yeah, I, in anticipation of this being a megasode, I decided to go on two fics, and I found one that was long and I liked, but then I found a short, a very short one, and we can mostly talk about um, the 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 fandom what it is and um how the fic fits into it and like how people can interact with it so i, I think we'll go with the shorter one for for this week i mean if people like it we can go back and i can yeah we can go back and i can read the longer one so this week i have decided to select a fan fiction from zootopia okay zootopia 2016 film did you is disney animation did you did you see zootopia so do you want to know my honest only exposure to zootopia please did you ever hear about the zootopia fan comic that came out about them having (laughs) a baby together and her saying she wants an abortion i i i know exactly what you're talking about that is all i know about zootopia would you like to explain that very briefly oh god 15 words uh you know I can't do anything in 15 words or less. Basically, I don't even know what their names are. The girl, she's a rabbit. She Judy Hops, Nick Wilde. Sure. That's okay. Uh, she and the fox have conversations about their relationship, and she gets all standoffish, and then she just sort of reveals that she's pregnant. And I guess he's super Christian in the story, and she reveals that she wants an abortion. He gets upset, and they have a conflict. Yeah, it's, it's very awkward. But, you know, the person who wrote it had a lot of feelings about it, so I'm, I'm glad they got that out there. Really well drawn. Um, yeah, it is. It's nice. It's it's a, it's a it's a very beautifully animated film. So Zootopia, I think, gets a bad gets bad uh, gets a bad rap because when it came out, everyone loved it. Everyone universally thought it was fantastic. But now, if you say Zootopia is your favorite Disney slash Pixar film, people will just think like you're a f- you're a furry. In, in, <laughs> instead of someone who just really appreciates the themes, as in, essentially Zootopia is just a, you know an animal society, and it's made to mirror our own, um, wherein a vast majority of the animals are um, what would be considered prey. They're split up into predators and prey. So you have like your farm animals, like your rabbits and your and your sheep, and then your prey, which would be like lions and tigers and and, and bears. Oh my! Right. And then there's way more prey than there are predators. So prey have kind of set up the society that the predators have like uh, an advantage over them, obviously being bigger and stronger. Um, And then in this society as well, predators are put down as like, you know, dangerous, like a tiger is going to rip your head off. Like, why would you be hanging out with a tiger? So it's a monetary society, you know, predators are probably living side to that side. But what it does really well is it opens up, you know, um, a great opportunity for, for children to see, you know, something that's about the world that's not so rose-colored, you know, about how we have dis- differences and, and, and culture and and how some society may be set up, you know, to give advantages to, to, to the folks who built it. So in that way, it's like a good, and it's wonderful and funny and beautiful and cute and all that stuff, but, um, and it's great to see all those animals because it gets me all horny. But <laughs> I think it's big thing is that, um, 
is that it a lot it was like it was like the woke film that kids could watch yeah um that wasn't the and emoji i hate movie. using that one. <laughs> that, that wasn't that didn't involve patrick stewart as a pile of poop and i um sir patrick stewart i hate to use the term work because i think it does really yeah sir patrick stewart because i think it does a fantastic job of of not of not being beating you over the head with it i guess would be the term but um it's a great film so Good. in it um you have uh officer hops is a rabbit and she grows up and she wants to be a police officer she wants to be a cop her whole life, but everyone's like, you're a rabbit. You're going to be a farmer. You know, rabbits aren't cops. Uh, predators are cops. Big, strong things. Um, she's like, no, I'm going to do that. So she works hard. She studies hard. She passes all her exams. She's the best in her class. And she finally becomes a police officer. While she's a police officer, she meets this fox. She finds him out. She's like trying to arrest him. She and the fox have a little, you know, tit for tat. They have charming chemistry and they get embroiled in this big conspiracy. And if you want to watch the movie, go do that because, you know, there's some nice twists in there. And it's it's actually well-written, so it's not very obvious. It's, it's quite good and, and well, well-earned well script. Um, but during it, um, there, there are points where the, the predators start getting these collars. Like the prey starts saying, we need to put collars on the predators because they're going out of control. They're attacking people. So there's a way we can control them. Um, she thinks that's a good idea. Her friend the fox does not think that's a good idea. Um and they have a heart-to-heart conversation. And he talks about his life and, and what he's experienced. Um, one of the cut scenes um, during the, the past that he's talking about is he always also wanted to be a police officer before he turned to a life of crime. And he wanted to join the Boy Scouts. And he did so. And he was very proud. And he came from a lower you know, single mother, lower socioeconomic status. And uh, his, his mother got him the uniform and got him in. And when he got to the first meeting, they all turned on him. And they just wanted to bully him because he was different. He wasn't one of them. You know, pretty standard, you know, sad kid stuff. Um, so this fic goes into the mother's point of view from when he um, had that experience, kind of being an optimistic child and then facing the realities of the world. Oh, that is very interesting. So this uh, fic is called Progress, and it's on Archive of Our Own, um, and it's by Zanoka, X-A-N-O-K-A, Zanoka. Okay. I, before you um, start, two things. One, sure, the comic is called "I Will Survive," <laughs> and two, this is why fan fiction is written. We're getting a unique perspective on a little niche, little niche plot point, but it can be fleshed out and it can be meaningful. Okay, I'm excited for this. Right, and his mom's really not even a character, and, and the whole gist of it is, is he um, when he goes to the meeting, they corner him and they call him, you know, a predator, and he's different, and he's dangerous. Um, and they put a muzzle on him, and it really traumatizes him, which is kind of me- – I watched it again before this, and I was like, that's freaking messed up. That just looks really messed up, but, you know, it was impactful. Um, so here we go. This is Progress by Zenoka, the Zootopia fan fiction. Very short, very short, so we'll get through it. It hurts her heart, her neck, so proud, eyes bright and full of joy as she pulls his scarf straight and smooths out any creases in the clothes she's worked so hard for. He seemed to swell with pride, drawing himself up to his full height heroically as he admired his uniform. All those long hours at work and skipped meals were worth it just for this. She couldn't help giving him a big squeeze before pushing him gently towards the door as he rushed off to his first scouts meeting. She was glad. He was making friends in their new area, that they had been willing to look beyond his species and welcome him into their club. It was progress, no? Much needed progress, since her manager still watched her every move, and she'd be working with him for months. And somehow, a security guard always happened to materialize and follow her around every store she ever visited. 
and she had to keep her head down around police. Never protest. Be super polite. Yes, officer. No, officer. Her mother's voice always in her ear. Just don't give them any reason. But it was progress nonetheless. Her nick would show them that a predator was more than their stereotype, since he was honest and optimistic and so kind it warmed her heart. But then he came home. With rumpled clothes and a squashed ear and a stony expression she had never seen on his face before, he didn't say anything. But later, she found that precious uniform in the kitchen bin, and when she checked on him at bedtime, he was already asleep, traces of tears still on his cheeks. Looking closer, she could see marks, as if something had flattened his fur or rubbed away the skin around his mouth, something long and thin crisscrossing his face, as if... as if they had... No. No, they wouldn't. They wouldn't treat her baby boy like a criminal. Her hackles were raising, and she had to leave the room to calm down. But the next morning, when she helped him get dressed... She noticed patches of fur missing and bruising. He wouldn't look at her. He didn't say anything, so she kissed his forehead and stroked his cheek and told him he could stay home from school if he wanted. When he fell asleep after lunch, she dug out that uniform and burned it. And that's it. Wow. Yeah, so it, it, it's that one... It's it's really like the touchstone moment for that character, Nick, the fox, um, when he does that. So it's interesting they, they try to get more contact because he kind of just has a throwaway line of, you know... Um, that uniform that my mother scraped together money for, and they really take that line and they turn it into to turn into this. They kind of imagine that that society um, and try to bring it to life. Yeah. So a lot of the work that I do um, in school deals with a, a, like a social moment, and that's sort of like a turning point for things. And I, I really I'm really interested in the fact that. Not only did was it you know canon that this was a, a turning point in his life, but also it's a turning point in the story, and it was significant enough for someone to pick out and want to write about. That was interesting. I like that. Yeah, and it's very short, so it's it's um I think it's well written too. So it doesn't seem like something short that's short and took a short time to write. I think this is you know pretty thoroughly thought through and and put and put together. Um, and it's kind of like that crushing you know, how proud someone can be and, and kind of, you know, facing the realities of the world that, that people are terrible. Some people are, are just bad, you know, um, and and they'll, they'll they'll tear you down. And um, they'll, you know, they're bad. They're predators. They'll never get good again. <laughs> yeah, 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 predators. Can't, can't reform them. Got to put those collars on them. Yeah, I don't know. I, I was thinking, well, thinking a lot about Zootopia, um, how good of a film it was and, and – uh, I came across this one. I was like, I know this is going to be a super freaking long episode, so let me find a short one <laughs> That's so I can, that I can sneak in there. And yeah, you haven't seen Zootopia, so it's very unfortunate. I would, I would say, I would say, go watch. I feel like it's free if you have if you have Disney Plus. You have no excuse. I hey, it's free on Disney Plus. <laughs> I do Disney Plus. I I will watch it. It is on my list. The la I think the last new Disney movie I watched like that was Moana. So I'm really behind on stuff. Oh, dude, Moana's so good. Isn't it, it is like great. better than you expect going into it? You're like, oh, I'm going to watch Moana. And then you get out of it and you're like, I just saw freaking Moana. Yeah, that's that's pretty much how I was. The The music in it was great too, so. Yeah, this one doesn't, this one has a, uh, has a Shakira song in it, which is also very catchy and very good, but that, that's about it. Um, it's, it's great. And, um, no, I think, I think it's a, an important movie that is relocated to the realm of furries, unfortunately. No, trust me yeah, that no. you definitely it definitely has a furry reputation. <laughs> yeah, it's unfortunate, and also that comic didn't help it either. And everyone's like, "Is this like a weird, 
like anti-choice super you know not to get too political but like is that, yeah. is that <laughs> it was weird. Have a political bend to it like ugh. yeah yeah it was weird. which if anything gets too political you know nobody wants a part of especially if you're going to show it to your kids which i think this is nice i mean i think this is just like it's really realistic it's really real it shows people and society and culture and then they get, make it animals so it's a lot more palatable and there's like jokes and stuff so it's a really great great movie to show children and, and i enjoyed it myself no, I like that. So, do you, do you have any criticisms for it, or is it is it pretty pretty loctite uh, as I, is? Yeah, I mean, this is. I would say it's it's really short. So, I mean, if you, if you had made it longer, you could have expounded a little more. Um, I would like to see more about his change afterwards. I kind of talk about how proud he is before, and then and then afterwards he's wounded. I get that, but I kind of want to know more, and I want to feel more of her pain because I you you talk about it hurts her heart in the beginning. You know how much he's proud. Just to recognize that turn, that that oh my child now understands this world as I understand it as well, that kind of despair could have been in, in more. But you know we don't make this too much of a downer. No, not at all. But I mean, uh, I I did do a whole Scrubs episode about how he was anorexic, so we can be a little bit of a downer. <laughs> but other than that, I mean, I think this is a lot more you know real than any fan fiction has the right to be i know who's this being written for you know yeah. this is on this is like 10 pages deep on archive of our own so um you know i think this is just a piece that the author had put together that they you know they felt real about yeah and i think it's also a good example of how sometimes a property will just randomly catch somebody and it'll the that somebody will just randomly take it seriously and obviously zootopia was supposed to be taken seriously but Mm-hmm. I just like that idea of someone seriously going into hot, it. Seriously hot. Seriously sexy. She had some damn fine rabbit cheeks. And, you know, it'll, it'll just catch someone's attention in the exact right way for them to want to expand upon it. And I, I like that. I like that idea. Yeah, and it, and if it's if it's a work that, that is a little more rooted in reality and uh, it can really speak to someone on a real level, they can, you know, come out with something like this and maybe it's therapeutic or maybe it's a luring experience or... Maybe it's just an opportunity for them to flex their 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 writing muscles and put themselves in another person's rabbit shoes. Yeah. Um, regardless, I think it's a pretty good uh, pretty good outcome. The other one was much longer. We'd still be just getting started reading it. Well, with the length of this episode, I liked it, so that was good. <laughs> nice. Well, thank you. That was good. I, I think that was a good way to to deal with this episode. I think it was good. It was a good way to end it too. Well, what are you stoked on, Ryan? All right, this week I am stoked. Uh, so I just moved into a new place. Yeah, I'm still in New Jersey, so so still cabbage. Um, I live in New Jersey still, uh, but I moved to a new spot. I've got a new recording setup. I'm in my closet right now. Um, How is that I'm any different that than door. usual? Got him. I am. <laughs> I am now lit- <laughs> literally, literally, literally sitting in the closet. And uh, so yeah, I'm stoked on floating shelves, bro. I put some floating shelves in my new room. I, lo- I feel like a millionaire, dude. Like, my shelves are magic. Like, my books are on a floating shelf. I have a plant on a floating shelf. Bedside table, got rid of that. I've got a floating shelf next to my bed. <laughs> floating I've shelf side tr- table. I will, send you a- <laughs> I will send you a picture, dude. I put my phone on a wireless charger. I need to see Amazon. it. 20 bucks. Great investment on a floating shelf next to my bed. And I feel like a sultan. <laughs> I feel fantastic. It's so, it's so great. I, if you, if anybody's looking for a way just to feel better, crazy stuff's happening, just get yourself a floating shelf and just marvel, marvel at it. Next thing you know, when I come to visit, you're going to have like a jaguar in your room with you and you're really going to be a sultan. <laughs> I'm going to be on a floating bed on a floating shelf. It's, yeah, no one's touching the ground. Nothing's touching. Everybody eats and no one's touching the ground right here. <laughs> 
That's good. That's funny. Loading shelves uh, are badass. They're sick. They're sick. They're they are sick. sick. What do you what do you what do you stoked on this week? So I've been obviously still locked inside for the most part, even though everywhere around me kind of is opening up. You know, it's even if it's opening up, unless you need to go out, you don't really have to spend a lot of time outside unless you don't want. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm, I'm I can be libertarian about this. You know, go out if you want. I don't really care. And you know, I've been getting this 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 wanderlust because I, I I don't want to feel cooped up, and I've been going on I've been going on hikes. I've been finding all these different trails around my house that I never knew of before. There's this one particular trail that I'm I'm, I'm in love with. It's a eight mile trail, but it's through swamp. And I know that sounds miserable, but it's awesome. And to satiate that, when I'm at home, I found this YouTube channel by this guy named Bo Miles. B e a u space m i l e s. His name sounds like somebody I want on Florida's football team. I don't know why. Yes. It just sounds like a football player. I agree with you. He is this sort of, I guess, health conscious and active, you know, very active Australian adventurer. And he has one where he kayaks from the tip of Australia to Tasmania. At one point, he tries to circumnavigate the tip of Africa on a kayak. He has one where he lives off of beans until he eats his weight in beans. Just a bunch of weird, weird challenges that he sets for himself or weird expeditions. And it's just awesome. It's cool to see this guy with this perseverance to set off to do something and then do it. And he has one called uh, "Run, Run the Run the oh, Line." Is this is this the guy who did a mile an hour for twenty four hours? I think so. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that one. I did yeah. not know about any of the other ones. Yeah, he's an Australian. He gets dude, like right? awards. He gets like awards for his stuff, right? Like, he has a PhD like... in in uh, um, environmental. Oh God, it has to do with him just being active, not not active like politically, but like kayaking and stuff. Hmm. It's like environment and recreation and environment or something like that. Mm-hmm. But he make yeah he makes these little documentaries and they are just so inspiring and so fun. And if you have the itching to get out and about, like I know a lot of us do, uh, great great channel to watch so i'm stoked on bo miles and i've told myself i I could just be just shooting the breeze with this one but i've told myself that i want to commit to i guess before i turn 30 something like that i don't really have a a cutoff date but i would very much love to kayak the length of the saint john's river wow yeah it's one of two rivers that flows north in the world and the only reason that this one flows north is because Georgia sucks. Got him. <laughs> you know it, buddy. And if uh, if you don't think that's true, I would like to refer you to the other river that flows north, Denial. <laughs> Spoken like a true Florida fan. It really is, yeah. So, I, yeah, I would like to uh, – I, I, kayaking is my, my favorite you know, outside active hobby, as is. It's not just me trying to steal from Bo Miles. But I would love to sincerely – do that and and because his whole thing is setting a goal and just pushing yourself just to see how far you can get just to see if you can do it you know you don't need any other reason to push yourself besides the fact that you can and you want to see how disciplined you are and see how far you can take yourself so i i like that i think that's really inspiring so bo miles i recommend watching him he has really cool stuff oh that's a really good that's a really good one hey man if you if you're ever gonna hop in that kayak go to st john's if you need someone, I'll be right there. I'll be right there beside you, walking. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be wading through the slush. No, let's do it. it um, headwaters are, I think, thirty or forty miles south of where I am, but they get off in Jacksonville, spill out into the Atlantic Ocean. That's what that's what I like to do. Out, and if we're feeling fresh, just keep on going. Go see exactly. Henry. Yeah, let's go. Uh, yeah, let's go see Henry. I was gonna say let's circumnavigate uh, the the peninsula, but no, let's go see Henry. 
bro, you better have a place for us to crash when we get there. Yeah, because we're going to give you a very advanced notice. It's going to take us quite a while to get there. Yeah, uh, really funny. I'll be really quick. It, if you used to Google Maps a trip from Sacramento to Tokyo, it would tell you to kayak across the uh, Sea of Japan. <laughs> it used to, but then someone did it, and they had to remove it for liability. Yeah, they almost got sued, so here we are. Well, Ryan, I think we had a great episode. I had a fun time giving our list, and I think your your Zootopia fic was great. So I would urge everybody uh, once again to like us everywhere, review us and rate us everywhere, and, you know, perhaps remember something. What would that be, Ryan? I think what we highlight today is you can't judge a book or a graphic novel by its cover. So get out there, find something that you normally wouldn't read, you wouldn't look at, um, because maybe you think the medium is weird or different, and, and give it a chance. Because it, it might be someone's favorite thing, and it might be something that you can talk to them about. So go out there and do that. 